When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Hey, what's up, Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We have got a fantastic show lined up for you tonight, but before we get going, I want to let you know that you can find us on social media. We can be found on Twitter at Hockey underscore Royalty and also at Royalty underscore Pod, and we can be found on Facebook at Hockey Royalty. So this, like I said, this is just something I've been looking forward to for a very long time here, and I can't wait to get started. But before we bring our guests in, I'm going to bring our esteemed panel. First of all, I'm going to bring in the Shakespeare of hockey royalty. This guy is the end-all, be-all of the editing world. It is Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Scott. How are we doing tonight? Been looking forward to this one for a while. Oh, absolutely. This is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. And up next... My other uh, normal shotgun rider here, if you will. He is the prince of PDO. He is the Count of Corsi. He is the master of everything in the analytics world. It's Mr. Russell Morgan. What's up, Russ? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Yeah, like Ryan said, I'm excited for this one. Should be fun. 
Oh, this is going to be a great one, I'll tell you. And also joining us, uh, we haven't heard from him in a while, but we're glad to have him back. Joining us from the Great White North, it's Mr. Ryan Cowley. What's happening, Ryan? Great to be here. So uh, uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So without further ado, I want to bring in our guest. Our guest is a legend in the world of the Los Angeles Kings. Guys, great to be with you. It's always great to talk hockey. It's always great to talk Kings hockey. So uh, thanks very much for having me. Hey, Jim, just want to dive into uh, kind of your playing career. I know that you kind of had to retire at kind of an early age. Um, Just kind of walk us through, um, you know, your age 29 season. I know the knee injuries kind of uh, plagued you there at the end. Just when did you kind of realize that, uh, you know, you might not be able to play as long as you wanted. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I played eight full seasons and then at the end of my eighth season, I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I fell into the boards in Boston and I didn't really notice anything. I was on the bench getting up to move over, you know, you know, just to, as you're shifting yourself on the bench and, I just felt something pop in my right knee and just, you know, nothing big deal. We got beat pretty bad that night and we flew back the next day and, you know, we had what you call a punishment skate, a bag skate, where, they're, you know, the coaches are going to make sure that you're not going to have the same bad game again. And basically it was just all skating and, and about 15 minutes in, which was going to be an hour-long skate, Bernie Nichols was kind of skating around me and I said, Bernie, I said, I cannot go. I just can't skate any, I cannot do it. And he's going, ah, yeah, you're just trying to get up, you know. And I, so I went up and down and did some lines back and forth a couple more times. And I just can't, you know, Bernie, I can't. So I went to the coach. I said, coach, I got to go. I can't. And uh, four knee surgeries later, uh, I just... I came back, you know, I missed the first year Gretz was with us. Came back the beginning of the next year, and I remember I was in Winnipeg, I believe, in a corner. I had the puck in the corner, and I had Sean Cronin coming at me, a defenseman, who was a bigger guy, a tougher guy, mm-hmm. not necessarily known for his skating. And anytime you have a D-man coming right at you, that's the best thing, because you can go either way. You've got him locked. He's in the tracks. You're going to whack him. And I made a move. Bang, he hit me. And I went you know what? I just don't have the quickness anymore. I just do not have that. And that was my game. First step quickness was my game. I didn't have it. And uh, I played another two or three games. That's it. And I just, just never got it. So it was, I, I, I honestly felt when I retired that I was just starting to get it, so to speak, as far as, you know, understanding all of the aspects of what you should bring as a player. Uh, it took me that long to get there, but, uh, you know, that, that was it. It was, you know, I, I consider my playing career a disappointment. You know, I was a 10th overall pick, mm-hmm. uh, pretty good numbers in junior, better numbers than anyone else. Had decent numbers, you know, 30 goal seasons, NHL, good. But uh, unfortunately for me, I, I just consider it a disappointment as far as the playing. Yeah, well, I didn't realize it was four knee surgeries. That's, uh, that's tough to uh, not only deal with, but come back from each one of them. 
Um, just from your time, I know obviously you spent your entire career in Los Angeles. Over that time, who were kind of some of your favorite uh, teammates and players or even uh, the coaching staff that you really took a liking to? Pat Quinn as a coach was, you know, because I, I was a smaller guy. I was a skilled guy. And Pat as a player, you know, was a big, lumbering, tough defenseman. And as a, you know, just his presence. But he would always talk to me and put me in situations where I could use my skill. He said, "Y'all, you're part. You're a big part of this team." Like, so he didn't downplay the, or he didn't didn't hold it against me that I wasn't a physical player. I mean, he he wanted me to play my strengths, which you should be doing. You know, you shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. When I first came, my first year, I was 170 pounds, and I got killed. So the next year, I came in at 185, and you know, you know, I play Bernie mostly, and you know what? He's not going to the corner, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to. And you know, just to kind of hold your own against bigger guys. And if I were to do it again under today's rules, I would be 170 pounds and skate around. They couldn't touch you. You know, they can't catch you. But I think Pat was really good that way, as far as you know, hanging it. One of the most underrated coaches, and I only had him for one year. It was my first year. Was Bob Barry. Uh, 1980-81, we had the best road record in the NHL. And, and believe me, guys, if you ever hear nowadays someone complain about travel, slap them right across the head. <laughs> I mean, you know, Leroy Jethro Gibbs, boom, right in the back of the head. Because we played 21-team league, home and home, two and two against every team in the league commercial not charter and we had the best road record in the nhl that year that bob barry i think is the, one of the most underrated coaches he wasn't technic he just had a good combination of technique and you know that motivational factor that you need from any coach and then uh certainly uh, you know roger nielsen he was there for a while just a you know student of the game i cannot imagine roger nowadays you know breaking down the game and, you know, the analytics and he would just be phenomenal that way. Uh, as far as players, you know, just, you know, Dave Taylor is, he is such a, a role model to any athlete. Uh, Dave gave everything every night. And that's, you just had to be in the locker room after a game with him to see that. That was so inspirational. Uh, you know, Marcel was Incredibly talented. Gretz, of course, comes a little bit later, but I played against Wayne mostly, you know. Mm -hmm. So I remember him mostly as an oiler as opposed to a king. Um, I remember Luke when he came up because of just the outstanding skill and understanding of how to put the puck in the net, you know. that All they can do is score. <laughs> oh, isn't that what the game's all about, uh, is scoring? Um, you know, Phil Sykes was a real close friend of mine. Maybe we're related. What's that? <laughs> My last name is Sykes. Maybe we're yeah, exactly. related. Exactly. There you go. Well, <laughs> if your nickname's Psycho, then you're related. Uh, <laughs> Dean Kennedy, Mark Hardy, you know, Jay Wells from my first year. I, I guess I probably remember the guys mostly when I was breaking in. Uh, so, as you can tell, it's just throughout the years, some, some great Bernie Nichols I played with most of my career and uh, an incredibly talented player. Uh, 
So fortunate to be with one team. Uh, you know, as I sit here now, still with the Kings, uh, this many years later, I, I just feel fortunate to, to hang around for one, with one team. And you kind of uh, touched on it with Wayne Gretzky, but you're part of a, you're an integral part of the miracle in Manchester. Um, you guys are down five nothing at the end of the second period. Just kind of walk me through what the mood was like in the locker room going into the third, and maybe when when you guys felt that you guys could really actually win the game. I'm I'm asked that question a lot about in between. I really don't remember a lot other than the cliches, which are. Let's win a period. You know, let's win a period and look forward to the next game. Win a period. I do remember skating around uh, the form, our half of the ice as the third period starting, and, and Edmonton, and they were kind of laughing it up and joking it up, and it just it's just things that catch your mind. I, hey, they went on to win what four of the next six or five of the next seven. I mean. You know, we were probably part of their learning experience of what it takes to win. But, uh, you know, I just remember a few of their guys that just kind of, Dave Lumley, kind of skating around and cocky and smiling. And that's all. I mean, as the, as the period went along, believe me, you, you I think you, you take it one shift at a time anyway, so you don't get too far ahead of yourself. And, you know, I, I think when it got to 5-3, that's when, of course, it got a little bit more interesting. Uh, that's what happened. But, you know, to, to say, you know, this happened, that happened, you know, it's tough to put all, all everything <laughs> together now looking back on it. But I do remember the Oilers being a little bit cocky, and, and rightly so. They were by far the most talented team, uh, but they still had some lessons to learn. You know, Foxy, I think they kind of took their cue from Glenn Sather. Uh, he was, <laughs> he was uh, quite confident in his team himself. Uh, no doubt a great coach, though. Uh, so you, when you got done with your playing career, uh, you transitioned into broadcasting and, and I have to tell you, you are an absolute natural. I mean, it's, it's like you were born to do this and you of course got to work with one of the most legendary all time play by play men of all, you know, being Bob Miller. Uh, how was that working with him? Well, it, it was, it was very, uh, to take you back. I hope I'm comfortable now. I feel like I can go and do a game, you know, like second nature now, but it was not natural to me at all. If if you go back and look at some of the tapes, I believe it took me at least three years to even feel like I have even had a chance to be comfortable. I remember some games after the game, I, I didn't even know the score of the game. I really didn't. I was just really caught up in trying to, you know, and part of that is, you know, when you're working with Bob, he has such a high standard. You come in, I'm awful, I'm embarrassed. I, I know I'm not doing a good job. It was a struggle that way. And, um, you know, I, I credit Bob a lot with just how much rope he gave me because at the beginning he had to do a lot of the lifting, and he did. But after about the third year, he, he started to let me, you know, just by backing off a little himself, just to let me get in a little bit more and get, and then as the comfort came and then the back and forth with Bob. And then, you know, now I can remember guys, I, I can remember, I can remember a game in Carolina. I can't tell you the, the score. I think it was back in the old building back in, man, when they used to play before they went to Raleigh. And, uh, I just, after the game, I think the Kings won in overtime. I just looked at Bob and said, Bob, that call was incredible. 
you know, so now I was list, I was starting to listen and understand and and hopefully participate in the broadcast. Um, so Jim, you could say the game kind of slowed down for you. <laughs> it, it did because I was really, I really struggled with technical someone talking in my ear and you're tearing and you're trying to call just a whole bunch of stuff the replays how fast they came how did you know now i think you know being piece of cake uh but back then it, it wasn't and you know just again with bob and, and everyone should do their own everyone should be their own personality their own broadcaster you know mike lang in pittsburgh just retired the other day or just announced he won't become you know he, he was the most flamboyant and all the sayings and all that. What I liked about Bob was Bob just called the game. Um, right. He didn't have any catchphrases. And again, with Mike Lang, it fit Mike, right? That's him. With Bob, it didn't. Bob just called the game. I think Bob's ability to capture the moment with the proper amount of energy was his biggest strength. Um, you know, you, if, if you heard his voice and in inflection grow and build, something was happening. And if not, he had a cadence that was perfect to continue an energy, but you knew not, you know, it's just a normal flow of the game. But when it picked up, he was able to capture that without overdoing it. He never <laughs> overdid it. Mm -hmm. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He didn't have, he just called the game. And uh, that was a pleasure, just a pleasure to sit beside him for so many years. Yeah, that's so true. Because, I mean, if you have somebody that's, you know, constantly, you know, raising their voice over every little play, after a while, you just start to, oh, okay, nothing's really going on here. Like, I mean, Mystery Alaska is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I just want to know how that was working with Mike Myers in that scene you did at the studio in between periods for uh, the mystery. Uh, Mystery Alaska was, it was such a, <laughs> it was a great experience. I tell you, I got it. It's it just uh, crazy. I, I didn't realize it was a motion picture. You know, they sent me the script and, all, you know, and then I went in for like, you had to get, uh, your wardrobe and they had to, you know, they had a tailor there and they're, you know, sizing you up and all this stuff. And I go, okay, you know, and I, okay. Now I started to kind of see what was going on here. Like, okay, this is, this is a pretty big deal. And, uh, the scenes with Mike Myers, uh, I had lines and he basically improvised everything he said. He didn't have to worry about, you know, lines. So I had to set him up a couple times. And I, I still remember the first scene, like, I asked my question, he went off on his thing, and then at the end he stopped and I kind of, and I just looked to the camera and went, oh, I'm supposed to say something here, aren't I? Like, you know, just not, not used to the acting and reading lines and things of that sort. And then there, there were a couple times I have to, I, I broke up laughing, you know, so... You know, I can't, he can't do that because the audio's got it in the background, so you have to do it again. And he would do it differently the next time. Uh, that's, it was just crazy. It was really, uh, you know, I knew that he knew hockey, so that was a good thing. Uh, I think what they were going for was some type of a Don Cherry spoof type of thing where you right. have a big, boisterous character and personality. Um, but it was, it was, you know, man, I'll tell you what. Movie sets, the one thing they do well, they eat well. The catering, <laughs> the catering, the catering on those sets, I mean, for 24 hours or whatever you're, it is, you can walk into the commissary anytime and you can have whatever you want at any hour of the day. They've got chefs ready. Oh, man, uh, great experience. Uh, 
fun. And I know it's, it's, I really liked the movie. I did. I thought it was great. I thought the locker room scenes, which were a little raunchy, but I thought they were exactly the way it is inside a hockey locker room. And uh, that's the, the one thing when I, you know, finished. And, you know, the stories are heartwarming, you know, and the great ending, all that stuff. But uh, I thought the locker room scenes were done excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. Jim, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, just to kind of say, I've been listening to you for you and Bob for so long, and I'm sure we all have. So it's been a real treat. And I, I will say, like, the one of the best things that I think about you as an announcer is your ability to just tell it how it is and kind of leave that homerism out the door but i guess if we can just dive into king's hockey now um like we all know the last couple of years it's been kind of a rebuild going on with the kings um last season they kind of turned it a little turned it around a little bit i guess you can say kind of just want to get your thoughts on how the kings uh, were just last season in that short um abbreviated season i guess i think this year is the first year of going up again I agree what you said there as far as getting to a kind of a stability issue. Mm-hmm. I think the teardown ended last year, and maybe it was the leveling of the ground and the foundation, and now I hope that the, the upswing comes. Uh, I think that you know their goal was to play important games, and we felt with the divisions alignments due to COVID that you know, maybe they had a chance. I think with about 15 games remaining, they still had a chance, but then bang, they poof, they mm-hmm. fell flat. They fell flat at the most important. Now the schedule hey. had a little bit to do with it. What uh, seven of the last eight games were Colorado and Vegas? Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, Jim, I was going to say the Avalanche, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there you go. They got caught under that one. Um, but you know, uh, I think it's I think it's on the upswing. I, I think. My perception of timeline is probably a little bit longer than what people who follow the team would want it to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit longer when you go through a complete rebuild. But I'm also a big believer in tear it down and rebuild. Don't go halfway. I'm not a big believer in trying to win and get better. And that, you know, I'm not I don't think that works. It's my opinion. Uh, I don't have, I know you guys, I follow you guys too with all the numbers and the stats and the analytics. And so, but I don't know if I have anything to back that up, but I, I'm a believer in that you have a window and you got to go for it when you had the window. I think the Kings found themselves in that window after in the 15, 16, where they went for it a couple more times, probably weren't ready, you know, mm-hmm. maybe should have started, but that's hindsight. I had no problem with them going after Lucic. I had no problem with it going after Kovalchuk. They felt they had that chance. When you feel you have the chance, go for it. Mm-hmm. Now, they went through two or three, four years of boom, down, right? Restock the shelves, get the prospects, keep the picks, keep the assets. Now, though, Arvidsson comes in, Edler comes in, Deneau signed as a free agent. Now you have uh, a chance to go on the way up. But I still think it's going to be a while. Yeah, there's almost like this foundation, I guess, being built kind of around the core that's still there with, you have Kopitar still there, Brown still around for probably a little bit more longer than Dowdy, of course. Um, But like you said, the last season, kind of, I guess the ending of the rebuild um, was probably when Carter was traded. And now you have the point where now there's players coming in as opposed to being shipped out. 
Um, so now just kind of want to get your thoughts on what to expect, I guess, from a King, what are, what should Kings fans expect for this coming season um, with all these new players coming in? Well, I hope we continue to see a sprinkling in of the younger kids, you know, as we go along. Now, I would assume Byfield's going to make the team out of camp, but will, you know, will we see Turcotte? Will we see just a whole bunch? There's a whole, you know, the names are, it's a long list of names of what, can and cannot be as far as young kids. You know, Kaliev, who I consider, you know, again, what do I know? But probably more of a one-dimensional player. I know he's shown things at Ontario. And, you know, I'm no different guy. I I hear the stories of, you know, he made this great pass. Artie, shoot the puck. (laughs) Shoot it. That one dimension is something the Kings need right now. And, you know, Brett Hall, when he played, you know, they said he was a great passer, better passer than he got credit for. Great. Great. We didn't give him enough credit passing. Shoot the puck. Uh, so, you know, Kaliev, uh, you know, Turcotte's more of a well-rounded guy. You know, will we see, how much will we see of those guys? Kupari, who, you know, he looks good. He's got a package there as far as, you know, the skill, the size, a little bit of strength. Speed. So yeah, I speed. hope that continues. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the three veterans that were added, you know, the easiest way for me, guys, is this. I, I assume the next time the Kings are going for the Stanley Cup, Andre Kopitar won't be their number one center. Agreed. Yeah. You know, that's, it, there's going to be a turnover. I think Andre can play forever because of the, his understanding of the game, his size, and he's an elite conditioned fit athlete. Elite. So I think he, but you know, there's just going to be a turnover that someone's going to have to take over. Um, Philippe Dano, I just saw the article. I've heard him talk. You know, I I hope he can become a more offensive. I just want Philippe Dano from Montreal. That's what mm-hmm. I want. Mm-hmm. I want it to be. Now, again, can he get more opportunity with the Kings? Yes. Maybe his fitting into the piece of puzzle will be a little bit different, and maybe he will be put into more offensive situations. But what I hope he's here for is to take – uh, the load off of Kopitar so Kopitar doesn't have to take every defensive zone face off. And then sometimes you get caught out there for 30 seconds. Then you have to change. And by the end of the night, Andre's shifts are, you know, you know, instead of going 40% offensive, you know, and 60% kind of treading water, he's going 75% starting in his own zone, playing solid defense. And then energy level at the end of the game, you need more for offense. So hopefully Deneau can help there. I hope he can bring offense too, but I, I again, I'm just looking for him to bring, win faceoffs, be a smart penalty killer, and be a you know, 18, 19, 20, some nights 22 minutes, whatever it takes. Uh, I assume it'll be used on the power play to win faceoffs exclusive, and then stay out there. Uh, so, I really like Edler. That's my opinion. I know he's not Edler of 10 years ago. But I remember going into Vancouver, and he was the type of player that everyone was on. The fans were on him. This was, oh, he can't. And you know what? Coach, it's, it's so funny to me. They love the coach, the fans and the media. But the coach is making all these great decisions. Then they hit Edler, and then he ends up with the most ice time. Well, who's putting him on the ice? The coach. The coach you hate. Uh, excuse me, the coach you love is the guy putting him on. So I think he, you know, he's, he's a little bit more physical than he was back then. He could be really, you could run a power play. He could, but so I just like, just from what I've known about him is that he is a leader. He's a solid person. 
And I think with the Kings youngsters on D, right, you're going to need that type of guy just to look at and get the job done that way. Haven't touched on Arvidsson, the new, you know, but you know, hopefully he brings that, that quickness, that, that jump in his step. And from what we've seen in the past, he, he's not looking to pass. He's looking to shoot. And if he ends up with Kopitar, who knows? But if he ends up there, maybe it'll be the first time Andre's had a pure shooter on his line in a long time. Yeah, I love what what you said about Philip Deneau. Um, I mean, I don't think Rob Blake is bringing him in to elevate his game offensively. He's bringing him in to be the player he was in Montreal. I mean, if I'm looking at the stats right now, Andre Kopitar started more, had more starts in the defensive zone than any other player on the team. I mean, if you're able to limit that and give him more starts in the offensive zone, I mean, that's just only going to increase his stats in that point. But, I mean, you touched on another player that my, my friend Scott, call, Scott and I have gone back and forth, Quentin Byfield. Um, there seems to be this rumor running out there that uh, players like Quentin and Quentin's uh, situation that had 20 or more games played in the AHL last year can probably go back to the AHL so he could possibly play a full season with the Ontario Rain coming. I personally think, I know this is not what a lot of Kings fans want to hear, but I personally think another year with the rain would, would be good for him. Um, but there's been talk and Scott wants, wants to see a player like Quinn be playing in the NHL and start with the Kings going this season. So kind of just want to get your thoughts on that. My first thought is just, can he skate at an NHL level? That's my first thing. He's a big boy, right? He's a mm-hmm. big kid. I mean, this he can, but... Can he? Yes, I think he skate. I think his footwork, his foot speed, his turnover rate, his agility, back and forth. I think he can do that. So that's, I that's where I'd like to see him up there. I'd like to see him play up there. I'd like to see him put in situations where maybe he can. Now, are you? Again, we'll get to that. Are you? The best way is to bluntly say it. Are you trying to make the playoffs or are you trying to win a Stanley Cup? Yeah, exactly. So. I think there are sometimes you make moves that get you closer to the playoffs, but farther from the Stanley Cup. And with Byfield, I actually want to see him play. I think he can improve. I think he can learn. I think he can get enough ice time. I think he can to to warrant him staying at the NHL level. Um, but that's something to be decided. I, I think that when I look at his skill set uh, you can understand why he was picked second overall because to have a player that size and be able to have the foot speed that he does to me is a rare combination and, and to go what you were just talking about and against my argument I think the Kings are picking him at second overall based on where he's going to be when he's 23 not one mm-hmm. when he's 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. So they want to give him some time. So more time in the minors wouldn't hurt him. I just see him as, I I just, you know, maybe it's more of a hope, but I just hope he comes and elevates to a point where you go, ooh, mm-hmm. 15 minutes a night, he has, if he can get him 15, if he can get him 15 solid minutes a night, he should stay with the Kings. And I hope he can prove he'll have to earn it. It's not going to be given to him. They have that option to go back to the AHL. But if he can earn that 15 minutes a night, I'd like to see him with the Kings. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Jim. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, if if he proves it in camp, like you just said, and say they put him in a third-line center, obviously you're going to have Kopi at 1C, 
Deneau playing 2C. But if he goes in at 3C and he's learned from Kobe and Deneau and get time at the NHL level, season, I think it's only going to be a good thing for him. Yeah, there's still a lot to prove there. And and I, I think I don't want to rush anyone. I think, you know, what the Kings have done over the last three or four years is not rush. They've done what I believe is the way to do it, which is tear it down and start all over. And, go and you know, Tampa Bay just won the Stanley Cup, right? Twice. First overall, Stamkos. Hedman, where was he? Second? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how you get better. <laughs> that's how you get better. We were, we were fortunate to get Kopi at 11. We we're fortunate to get quickly where we did. But Drew Doughty is the piece. Second overall, he comes in. Now you have Byfield, a generation later, second overall. That's how you get better. You get high picks. You, you, you maintain a, a belief system and, and a culture. You do have to build that. And you have to maintain it. You can't slip on that. And I think the Kings have done that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I just, I'm hoping that he has, he comes in and just, he lets it, he does not give the coaching staff or Rob Blake any other choice but to play in 15 minutes a night. <laughs> Jim, I just want to ask you one more thing. I kind of segued into it just before we let you go. And uh, just want to um, just quickly thank you for, for joining us tonight. Um, but you know, Kings went into the 2021 NHL draft with nine picks. They left with four in what was called a quality over quantity, uh, draft. Just wanted to get your general thoughts on, um, you know, the Kings going with Brent Clark and then following the, with the three picks after him. Well, I think, uh, Clark is an easy one just by looking at the, you know, the, the footage that I've seen by uh, listening to him talk and then listen to other people talk, uh, you know, about him and the way he approaches the game, the way he sees the game, the way he reads the game, and the way he can attack as a defenseman. I mean, he's all over. He's nonstop. Uh, he's not quite Kale McCarr, but <laughs> no one is. Uh, but he has that same type of maneuvering ability, I think, in the offensive zone. Uh, I don't think anyone has the footwork of McCarr, who I believe might be the best player in the league, even better than Connor McDavid. But... Uh, he, you know, you're, you, 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 he's, he's got a sense there, right? He's got an urgency. He's got a, it looks like he wants to win the game. And, and I, I really like that about him. Um, another gentleman who, in, my, in our business, Craig Button, who does an outstanding job, I think. I, I love listening to Craig every time he talks, and he had a lot of good things to say about Clark. Um, I, I like what they did. They, they you know, they, again, they packaged a few things to move up. Um, Hopefully, in a draft like this, where maybe more diamonds in the rough will be found because of, you know, just the inability to really get a, the book you would want to get on kids because of the lack of games and maybe not playing in the league they should have been playing in, all those types of things that went on during COVID. But uh, I like the Kings pinpointing a certain area. Okay, move up once, move up twice, get the guy you need. Uh, but again, you guys know if you want if you want numbers, you want analytics. You know that a second overall pick has a ninety eight percent chance of playing two hundred games in the NHL. A third overall pick probably has a fourteen percent chance of playing two. So you know, a third round pick, I should say. 
So, you know, it, the, it goes dramatically down as far as odds and numbers and uh, things of that sort. But I think the kings did what they needed to do. They stocked the shelf and then they used that stock shelf to put things together, which, guys, I think we're going to see more of in the next year or two, where the kings, all these guys, these young, I, I, I hate to say it, but they're, they're, they're assets, and they may not be kings, but they're going to be used to get or packaged together and get better, so get better players, and that's what I'm seeing right now. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I think what they did is fine. I have no problem whatsoever with it. Uh, again, it's eighth overall isn't second overall, but it's still up there. And in a draft like this year, who knows? Who knows what that order would have been? Because, uh, again, not everyone didn't get their normal amount of games played. Jim, just I got to ask you a, a kind of a hypothetical. If William Eklund was still on the board when the Kings were picking eighth overall, I know you just talked, you just kind of harped on scoring there. Who would you have taken between Eklund or Clark? You know what, guys? I, I, I'll be completely honest with you. When they come to the NHL, that's when I start analyzing them. I really don't look. I, I couldn't. That's, that's call it a weakness. I spend my time on the guys in the NHL. I don't do a lot. I listen to Craig Button. That's what I do. <laughs> and I, I, I take his word as gospel. I don't do a lot of research into that type of stuff. I did see Kaliev a little bit because he was at King's Prospect Camps and when they come to camps and things of that sort. And I saw a little bit more video on him and then World Championships, all that. That's where I get my scouting done, guys. World Juniors. So I don't get a chance to see a big, you know, handful, you know, 50 games. I get to see 10 games. And that's where I make my assessment. So uh, to, to be, for me to talk about this guy versus that guy, would be unfair to them because I don't know enough about it. Yeah, absolutely. Fair, fair enough. Because, I mean, that's true, too. I mean, these guys that are doing all these assessments, these players for 50, 60 games, you know, at a clip, and how do you make that decision? Really? But, you know, Jim, we just want to thank you for, for coming on and, and taking the time to, to talk. This has been really a, just a, a treat for us. And, you know, just, Please keep doing what you're doing, and I mean, just keep providing a great analyst for us because we would miss the heck out of you if you weren't on the air for us. Absolutely, my pleasure, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, like I say, I understand. I know that you guys bring different things, and that's that's great. Uh, bring it, keep bringing it, because there's you know you got to listen to everyone. You don't have to take everything in. You don't have to believe in it but you have to listen to everyone and i appreciate what you guys do because the perspectives you bring are a little bit different from each other and i think that's what makes uh, your package together uh what, what you guys bring it's it's great to, to listen to and i uh, believe me i listen and, and i uh, i learn so i appreciate it appreciate well, hearing that thank you jim yeah <laughs> thanks very much we appreciate it you're not jim that was Jim Fox, everybody. Wow, that was that was awesome. That that was really really cool. Just to get those those insights from the from the guy who's in the booth for every game for the Kings. That was oh, absolutely awesome. yeah. That was and just yeah, uh, a brief. Uh, I mean, sorry to our listeners. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but hopefully, you still enjoyed the interview. Yeah, I'm still kind of a little awestruck. I guess you can say. I mean, it was really yeah. cool to kind of hear his his perspectives on almost like how he feels about the draft. His thoughts on Byfield too. I mean, yeah. That's that's another interesting perspective. I know we've kind of talked about it quite a bit, but 
yeah, that was really cool to hear. And I love hearing all the his stories about his playing days and working with Bob Miller, of course. I know he'd be a, he'd be an awesome guy to get a beer with, or wine, yeah, absolutely, or, or wine, or uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. ten beers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So should we talk about uh, your little article that we had the other day? I think that was the next. Yeah, let's agenda. do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you had an article come out just uh, I believe it was last week about uh, players who are pot- potentially on the bubble coming into this upcoming season. Uh, I don't know if you you want to run down the players and we can kind of anal- analyze the, the list ourselves. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I put out an article. Actually, I think it was, what's today? Wednesday? Monday. I put it out on Monday. It was just kind of, in, it was an opinion piece. You know, uh, I, I did forwards that are entering a make or break season. Um, I chose Adrian Kempe. Being mm-hmm. one of them, he's entering mm-hmm. a contract year, very team friendly, two million dollars. Uh, we all know he's been inconsistent throughout his career. Yeah. He had prorated his best career um, to date in the shortened season last year. I think he was on pace for twenty-one goals, twenty-two assists. Um, I also have Leah Anderson, who was kind of up and down between. Uh, the rain and the Kings last year. Um, and I just don't know. I don't know where he fits in long-term guys. I, I don't know. I mean, he has to show something fairly early on this year. And I mean, this could, that could be said for a lot of players, obviously. I'm sure yeah. you, guys, you guys will have a few um, that I will also agree with, but the other guy is fairly obvious is Austin Wagner. He's an, he's an extra yeah. He's an extra forward on my roster projection right now. Um, I was able to dig up this stat on him, and I'm sorry in advance for it. But <laughs> his .23 points per game is the lowest on the Kings roster for players who have played in at least 30 games since the 18-19 season. Oof. Oof. He's, he's got a ton of speed. He just cannot finish. Yeah. We've, all, we've all seen the break, break uh, excuse me, the breakaways. But unfortunately, he just has trouble finding the back of the net. Yeah, I think, you know, um, go ahead, Scott. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But it, it, just the thing with, with Austin Wagner is if you don't expect 10 to 15 goals a season out of him, he's not a bad player. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. No, I mean, he, he averages two and a half hits a game, right? He's got speed to burn to help out with that four check. I think if you can just accept the fact that he is just going to be a fourth line player and he's going to be great for you know the four check and to create commotion out there then that's what you need i mean and again i know he came in with high expectations because who who wouldn't the guy gets how many breakaways a game right yeah for sure so of course you want to see him score but if you kind of step back for a second and then i'm not saying that you know the kings are going to hang on to him for that reason i'm just saying that you know if you kind of accept who he is then it kind of makes it you know seem a little bit better anyway at least in my opinion yeah, and I, I, it's weird because I thought Austin Wagner actually had some good couple of games in this past season, and and I think if he's able to hone in on his defensive abilities, then he can be a, a sustainable third, fourth line winger. Because like we've all seen, his speed is really noticeable on the ice, mm-hmm. and he's been using his body a lot more. But it was a little bit surprising when the Kings gave him that three year deal, um, just because he really hadn't proved him 
proven himself yet. And so now that he's been playing on this contract and still really hasn't proven himself, I think that's kind of drawn the ire of a lot of Kings fans. But, I mean, another player, like like a player you mentioned, Ryan, is uh, Leah Anderson. I mean, the Kings gave up a second-round pick for him, paid a high price just to bring him in. I mean, he was a former seventh overall pick. So he does definitely has some potential, but he just – it's just – Unfortunately for him, there's just there's more quality coming, and it's yeah. just where where does he fit in at this moment? Uh, there was another player. Uh, did you mention Brendan Lemieux in your article as well? Not Lemieux, but I mean Carl Grundstrom is in there too. He's had a long look of uh, you know part of two seasons now with the Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Grundstrom is definitely going to be one of the players that I mean, unfortunately, he he might not be able to find a spot with this upcoming roster. Um, Blake Lazat's probably another one. Yeah, Blake I mean, Lazat. And I mean, I, I'm Brendan Lemieux is a player I'll talk about. And it's, it's just weird because if you look at the Kings lineup right now, there is no nothing that compares to what Brendan Lemieux can bring on the ice. So there's really, there's really not really that with Curtis McDermott gone, there's no one really that has that kind of edge, I guess, to his game. And that's really what Brendan Lemieux was brought in for. So I mean, he was really traded for a fourth-round pick and kind of just brought in and kind of just thrown into the fire without a lot of practice to the team. So that'll be another player interesting to see what he brings in the training camp. Oh, no doubt about it. I, you know, the thing is, too, that people kind of forget is obviously there's going to be some some waivers coming up, right, at the end of camp or whatever. Yeah, and sure. eventually what that's going to do is it's going to open up more cap space. Yeah. Because it is. It, so, I mean, I mean the, yeah, there's the, a little silver lining on that. The, mm-hmm. the last guy they have to sign is Jacob Mulverare, which I thought that would be announced last week. I don't know if he's considering <laughs> options back to the S- SHL. Yeah, uh, I thought that might be an option, too, for him. I mean, I think right. – sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, you're, you're good. Yeah, we I, the the player that comes to mind when I think about Mulverare is Slava Voinov when he wasn't really given the opportunity in the NHL, and then his agent pretty much told the Kings, hey, if you don't sign him, then he's going to leave and go back to Europe. And – that's kind of where it seems like Moviari's in at this point, because where are you going to play him? He's not. He's probably not going to get a look in the NHL. I mean, who no. knows? Austin Strand got some playing time. We never right. really saw that. Yeah, coming, so, yeah. well, so I, who knows? I what thought happens. I thought Sean Jersey would get some playing time. Yeah, and that's another player. I he thought. still might, but you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought he would have been signed by now. So I don't. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, and it won't be much in terms of cap space, but. Um, just another thing to consider, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be musical chairs. I mean, it's going to yeah. be one gigantic game of musical chairs on ice, which mm-hmm. actually, you know, I'd actually kind of like to see the visual on that. Could you imagine that? That would be awesome. <laughs> that is probably happened in between periods in some arena. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Imagine uh, <laughs> imagine uh, making a mad dash for one chair and you yeah. slide, slide like 20 feet across oh, the ice. And then your player <laughs> rips his ACL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a bad idea, guys. Yeah, this training so, camp will be uh, it's, it's wild because it's the top, I mean I think we can all agree that the top six is six is pretty much solidified. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. you could probably. There's been some talk about interchanging, maybe bringing Dustin Brown down a little bit to the third line, sliding Arvidsson up, and then sliding up another right wing. But mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like that top six is six is pretty much solidified. So yeah. the battle for the bottom six lines is going to be. It's just going to be wild. And I mean, I've hyped up Vladimir Kachev quite a bit. I, yeah. I feel like that's a player that should get a. A, a long look in the NHL, and I think he will. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, those names you mentioned, that's just, that's, that's a crowd right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's well, no doubt about it. Just real quick, Scott. I mean, uh, I posted an article later, uh, late today, but uh, one of the, the betting sites released the odds for uh, the Calder Trophy, and Quentin Byfield had a, a plus twelve hundred money line. So, I mean, if anyone wants to throw down a hundred bucks, might get a little yeah, lucky. You know what? That probably <laughs> might Scott a little bit. I, yeah. You know, I was like, I felt so awesome after I saw that. I was yeah. like, yes, <laughs> there's somebody else that doesn't think he's going to start the AHL. But yeah, <laughs> I, I said to you guys though, he was on it. He was on it last year. Obviously, much lower than um, uh, twelve hundred. But uh, Gabe Velarde was another one that was on uh, uh, last year's list. But, um, you know, I'm looking at this year's list, and obviously the, the favorite is Cole Caulfield, uh, mm-hmm. given what he did in the limited sample size. But they got uh, Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale, both at plus uh, 2,000, which I thought was a little bit interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it he is. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as, as, what's the, I mean, I don't really follow the Ducks, of course, so I don't know if the plan is to start Zegers and Drysdale in the NHL this year, or are they going to be playing in the AHL as well? I think uh, they're just going to throw them into the fire. I, I mean, they I really think have so, too. Them. I mean, they, they, what, they both burned the first year off their ELCs last year, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I know Zegers yeah. for sure. I'm just, I, need to I think check Drysdale did still. as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was weird too. I mean, it's you know, if you look at the the Kings' way of thinking, they obviously weren't interested in burning first year of ELCs, but both of those guys didn't play a full season with the Ducks, but yet they still burned their first year of their contract. And Zegers uh, converted to a center. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zegers. Uh, excuse me, Drysdale played in 24 games last year. The Ducks. Did he play in that many? Really? He did. Yeah, I remember he was, he was called up early, but I couldn't. They were flip-flopping so much, I couldn't remember. He had really poor defensive metrics too. But I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be a great player in the NHL. I mean, right. He, Absolutely. He seems really similar to what Brant Clark's gonna bring. Um, just that offensive type game and that almost Kale McCarr esque. But yeah, I, I I loved hearing what what Jim Fox mentioned about like I mean. We got around down that list with Quentin Byfield. I, I loved hearing his thoughts on it about, and I, and that's why I, I'm. I mean, I said that I wouldn't mind seeing Quentin Byfield play, and I think it would be good. But if if it comes to the point where he's pretty much forcing his hand into the roster, I mean, as Kings fans, I mean, that's music to our ears. That's what we want to hear. And but if if it doesn't come to that, that's where I say, okay, well, let's hold him back and put him back on the Ontario. But yeah, I mean that's why that's another battle we'll have to watch in training camp. Oh yeah, and exactly. I, I felt I felt bad asking about the, the Eklund uh, Clark thing. You know, I don't like just kind of a fun question, but uh, yeah. a question I was withholding was, you know, where if Byfield makes the roster, which center doesn't? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, or which exactly. which center moves to the wing and which wing doesn't make the roster? Well, yeah, that's that's the whole thing, you know, and, and that's why I've been saying too, you know, they've really got to decide who they want to bring up this year because they got to bring somebody up. Yeah. Really I'm sorry. Good. You can't just stick everybody in Ontario. You can't do it because they all need quality minutes. And I, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. The, the, the team really needs to decide this season who is going to be a center and who is going yeah. to be a winger. And the best place to do that is Ontario. And again, if Quentin Byfield has a great, a great camp, I'm not saying just hand it to him. I'm not saying that at all. But you know darn well that Quentin Byfield is not going to move to the wing. So well, yeah, if he can put it in camp, put him in a third-line center, and let Turcotte, Kupari, Madden, Akil Thomas, let those guys battle it out in Ontario to see who's going to play center and who's going to play wing. 
Yeah, and to your point, Scott, I mean, that's why the, the Ducks sent uh, Zegers back down was to get him work at, at center. I mean, I don't mean to make this a, a Ducks podcast. He, or <laughs> next, 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 week, next week, though, we're going to have Ryan Getzlaff on. No, <laughs> Can't wait. So that, no. And that's kind of what um, we've heard from Rob Blake talk. I mean, the, in the last time we heard from him, he, when asked about potentially moving Velarde to the wing, he said, I mean, I, I, I don't want to quote him directly, but I believe he mentioned I've always seen a center move to the wing. I've never yeah. seen a wing move to the center. So he made it seem like it was an open awesome. possibility for that to happen. Well, he, I mean, Velarde played a few games down there when he was quote unquote in the doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, if any player is going to move to the wing, it sounds like it's, it's probably going to be Velarde. And that yeah, would just, just open I up mean, a spot for Quentin. It's a, yeah. It's that trickle effect though. I mean, cause then, uh, you know, who stays on the NHL roster? You know, does Leah Sanderson have to clear waivers and go back down to Ontario? Uh, Athens is not going anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, that's why, honestly, I think you're going to see some trades made even more before the the season starts. Possibly, I mm-hmm. I, I really think that because think there's so. there there again, you just have too many skaters and not enough chairs. You really even don't. just to just yeah, right. get in some kind of capital i mean even if it's like trading austin wagner for fourth or fifth round right pick. Yeah, mean, exactly. something of that nature. Yeah. if, if mick if mcdermott can get a fourth round pick austin wagner's like yes. eighth overall yes <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, from the room glad someone said it yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but man i can't wait until training camp gets going and when it gets started and that that's oh, just gonna be and, and russ i am so so jealous of you that you get to go watch that. Yeah, I'll be in training I, camp, and I'll also be in uh, Arizona for the development camp for any uh, fans that are going to be out there. I'll I'll be watching the games and hopefully take some good pictures. And uh, if I'll, if I have the time, I'll probably be live tweeting the games for anyone else who's not going to be there. So, looking forward to that. I've, I've, I went to the one that was in Irvine a couple years ago, and that yeah. was I remember watching. Actually, it was funny because I remember watching Toby Bjornfoot play the year he was drafted, and I thought to myself. He he and Aiden Dudas were the best players on the ice, and eventually Toby got the look and the short look in the NHL. And I, I, I wasn't actually surprised because he was really that good at that at that tournament. So I'm looking forward oh, to wow. see what tournaments can or what prospects can shine in this upcoming prospect tournament as well. You know, I want to ask you guys what. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead. No, I mean, I was just gonna, it was going to be a different topic, but go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys. Speaking of all that, so the Kings did resign Cal Clegg. Where does he fit in on all of this now? It kind of fits with my question, too. I was going to say, how do you guys picture the left side of the defense this year? Yeah. I think great minds think alike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if mine's that great. So you're carrying the you're carrying this. The, the left side, it's, I mean, it's, from, I mean, from, if you want to look at it, they brought in Edler. I mean, Ole Mata's still there. I mean, so right now you're looking at Toby. You have Mikey Anderson. You have Alex Edler and you have Olimata. And then, so, yeah, like you mentioned, where does that leave Kale Clegg? I mean, personally, I could see a situation where they do send Toby Burnfoot down to the to Ontario Reign. I mean, unfortunately, it's just like he's a player that is uh, – he, he doesn't need waivers. So, I mean, yeah. just from a situational standpoint, it would just be easier for the Kings to do that. And, I mean, Olimata, he's still a viable defenseman. He's still – he's not a top pair defenseman like the Kings wanted to look at last season, but – he can still play second pair, third pair of minutes, and now with Edler in there, 
leave that Mikey Anderson and Drew Doughty together. You have Edler with Roy, and then you have Mata with Walker, and they had some good um, time together uh, last season. So that's a yeah, a pair I can see happening. So you're saying where? So where does that leave Clegg then? You're, I mean, you're gonna have him be the seventh defenseman. Seventh defenseman interchanging uh-huh. with uh, Mata here and there. I mean, and the, the thing we're not thinking about either is, I mean, we're let's say there's injuries in training camp too. We're not yeah. even thinking about that. I mean, yeah, that yeah. happens every season where players don't don't. I mean, how often do teams go into the beginning of the season with their full roster intact? I mean, it doesn't really happen. I mean, last season we. Just, Mark Alt started the opening night game. So, yes. I mean, who knows what's going to happen this coming season. But, you know, I totally get what you're saying about uh, Bjornfort having waiver, being waiver exempt. And, and that on mm-hmm. the surface, that makes a lot of sense. But here's the thing. Like, you could probably safely send Mata down to Ontario. If somebody claims them, okay, they're off underneath the salary. If not, they get to bury a million dollars in the AHL and have a very valuable call-up in the event they should need one. Because to be perfectly honest with you, I think Cal Clegg needs to get some playing time. They need to see what he's got. And they can't send him back to Ontario because he's going to get claimed. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. So, he, had that, he had that weird like two-week period where he was just sitting on the taxi squad and not getting I know. playing time. I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand it either. But I mean, but there and again, guys, we don't see him every day at practice. No, right. I know. So we don't see all that. So I mean, I'm not blaming Coach McClellan or anything like no, that. No, definitely, definitely not. I mean, I, it's like uh, it's like uh, Jared Anderson Dolan to start the year. You know, he starts mostly the entire uh, first part of the year on the the taxi right. squad. He gets inserted when uh, uh, Lazat goes on a COVID list, and he kind of just claimed that spot for himself for the rest of the year. Right, but I mean, I would actually rather see Clegg end up with say like Matt Roy. Who can, yeah, who can they, cover yeah. him defensively? Because let's face it, the calling card for Cal Clegg is offense. Yeah, right? or, I mean, Matt, Matt Roy Walker's more of an offensive guy. Put him with with Edler. See what happens. Yeah, Matt Roy and Cal Clegg had the best defensive metrics on any defensive pair last season. When the, I mean, it was only a small sample size, but when they played together, it, it looked really good. And and I don't I don't envision when I say having Clegg as the seventh defenseman, I say whenever there's back to backs or there's a long road trip or something like that. I mean have Mata play some games, have K.O. Clegg play some games. Because, I mean, we talk about K.O. Clegg, that he's a great player, but he still hasn't played a full season in the NHL. I mean, he's still a young player that's developing right. into the NHL. So, I mean, I think there's an opportunity here for the Kings to kind of ease him into the lineup a little bit more now. But, I mean, like you mentioned, they can't just send him through waivers because that's a player. I mean, I, I think about like a Thomas Hickey, that situation where the Kings lost Hickey on waivers yeah. also. Right. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, I would actually, and, and I know this is not going to sit well with some, but I would actually rather them see him rotate Edler in and out. Reason well, being, if they're going to be a playoff team, rest him a little bit through the season. You don't need yeah. to play him 82 games. Scott, you brought, you brought up, you know, great minds alike are carrying the load again. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you guys listen to all, all the Kingsmen podcasts with uh, Thomas Dranis of, of The Athletic. But he said, he kind of gave a, uh, an insight to what the Kings are getting on Alex Edler. And he said, doesn't no longer has a foot speed. He's really strong out of the, the gate for the first 20 games or so. He said he would recommend, you know, on the, the second leg of back-to-backs resting him. To your point, that's where Kale Clay slides in. Right. Well, you know, and that's the thing, too. And, I, and I'll, I'll fill you on a little secret, okay? And, and don't think I'm a traitor for saying this. But I've actually watched a lot of Vancouver Canucks hockey on TV. I know you said this year. last week. 
I did? I don't remember. Yeah. I'm getting old. Leave me alone, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, I mean, don't get me wrong. Alex Edler still brings a lot to the table. But, I mean, he is 35 years old as well. So you really, you, you've got to be able to rest him throughout the season and, and load manage it more than anything else. So, yeah, but yeah I mean, I, Russ brings, brings up a great point. What do you do with Bion for him? I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, it'd be, but I mean, to to what he said, it'd be interesting to watch how that training camp unfolds. Does Mava, does uh, Mata get put on waivers eventually? You know, uh, I think most teams recognize that they don't need to give up a pick to get him. Right. But again, it's a you know, and nothing against Ali Mata, but it's almost a win-win for the Kings, right? If somebody takes yeah. him, they, they get rid of the salary. Right. I mean, they don't they don't need it for this year. I think uh, I looked it up and. With all the salary coming off the books after this coming season, it's like seventeen million, close to that. But they still have to uh, re-sign uh, Cal Peterson, obviously. So mm-hmm. he'll get, he'll get a sizable contract. But you know, the Kings should probably have what like uh, twelve to thirteen or fourteen left to work with. Well, I'd actually saw a, a suggestion online about buying out Alimata, which to me, why would you buy him out? Why why drag no. that salary out for next year? No, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think I looked at that. It's not a significant amount um, into next year, but yeah, it's just like you don't want to keep bringing them, stringing them along. Just like either right. like cut, cut ties with them this year, or uh, find a, a role that he can serve. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, they, and... they gave up nothing to give him. They gave up Brad Morrison to get him, who yeah. uh, was I think he was part of the Vinny Hinostroza trade. Um, from the Blackhawks to the Panthers, and I, I think he's in the back in the ECHL now. Yeah, I think so too. But hey, but at least there was an actual trade, not like some of these trades we saw a few weeks ago, huh? Yeah. <laughs> or here, you just take all these assets, and we don't want nothing back. But thanks anyway. Yeah, yeah those uh, those, gra- those, those graphics were interesting. Uh, you know, um, too long of text to fit on one page on one side, <laughs> and then on the other side, it said like. Uh, salary cap. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. But no, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And, and I tell you, this now we're actually legit into the dog days. I mean, it got delayed on because, you know, the draft and expansion draft and, you know, free agent frenzy was all a little bit later than usual. But now we're in the dog days, but it's only going to last a few more weeks, fellas. We'll be all right. I know. I just got to get through yeah. this month. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, usually the Stanley Cup's over in mid-June. We were granted basically an extra month of that. Um, but, yeah, it'll be here before we know it. Yeah, definitely. So, when next we meet, hopefully we'll have some uh, some news to talk about. And uh, if not, I'm sure we can just make up something to talk about because we always do. So <laughs> Absolutely, guys. That's our best, best <laughs> So I think with that, we're going to wrap our show up. We want to thank once again, Jim Fox for coming on. That was a real treat to have him on with his insights. Yes, that was awesome. Absolutely. So for uh, Russell Morgan, for Ryan Sykes, for Ryan Colley, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening and go Kings go.